0: Welcome to this week's Eye of the Swarm Season 4, Episode 9 of your deep dive into anything and everything Yellow Jacket athletics with production guru Adam Demu with the big sound Matt Johnson. I am John Garver and another week and more hardware for these Yellow Jacket sports teams, Matt, does. uh that's piling up now. Teams just keep on winning, man, and it's Yeah, it's really uh, fun I'm, to see I'm, it though. I'm, my mind I'm, I'm going, okay, trophy cases. I got to figure this part out so we can get all this stuff in there and okay, now we're at six banners that have to come down over the summer and be sent in to have another years added on to them, but uh good problem to have. Right. Uh, without yeah. a doubt. Before we dive into all that, I I want to I want to Throw something at you here because we uh, and it'll probably go hand in hand. I'm guessing with what else is going to happen on the show today because today is going to be a little bit different than shows we've done in the past. Uh, we'll get into that here in a few moments. But uh, during the broadcast, the hockey broadcast last week, I did a mailbag, and I, I like to do that a few times a year where people can throw questions at me. And one of the questions that was sent to me was about who my favorite broadcasters are, and mm-hmm. I didn't get to answer this one on the air because I just plum ran out of time. So. I thought, well, you know what, I'm going to keep that one in the, in the hip pocket for the, for the podcast because it's, it's something I can throw off of you too. So, you know, and it's, uh, for me, I think my entire broadcast existence was born out of listening to Al Shaver with the North Stars and Herb Carneal with the Minnesota Twins. And I, I was very fortunate to have parents who allowed me to have a radio in my room mm-hmm. so I could listen to games as I was falling asleep. Um, and I can't tell you how many nights growing up where I fell asleep with a North Stars game on or a Twins game on. And it's for, I just, I, I loved it. Yeah, I loved listening to the descriptiveness of an Al Shaver, the folksiness of a Herb Carneal. Yeah. You know, the only, the, nobody can duplicate the way he would come on the air and go, "Hi again everybody." Right. And, yeah. you know, it just with the way that he sounded and with with Al Shaver, I mean, for for me everything begins and ends with him. Yeah. And there there are others, obviously right. yeah, some, yeah. you know, I'm I'm fortunate that I've been able to interact with NHL broadcasters and and have them critique my play-by-play right. play and and things, but I think for me those two are always going to be one and, and two on my list, along with a guy like the recently passed away Vin Scully. Oh, yeah. Who yeah. is the, yeah. the most incredible storyteller among broadcasters I've ever heard. Right. And yeah. with that, I mean, there aren't enough O's and smooth for his voice. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, it just – the way he could weave a story into play-by-play is unparalleled.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, for me, see, I – like you, uh, I grew up with the Minnesota Broadcasters um, growing up in South Minneapolis. Um, I was lucky because all of the sports that I listened to, including the Minnesota North Stars, um, the Minnesota Twins, and also the Minnesota Golden Gophers, all had iconic voices. Oh, Ray Christensen. Yeah, Ray Christensen. Oh. I, I grew up in a time where I could listen to Herb Carneal, Al Shaver, and Ray Christensen in a weekend. Yeah. You know where I could listen to all three of them do a game mm-hmm. or do multiple games. And that I really, really uh, enjoyed. And th- th- I think that's a lot of the – because I was like you. I had a radio that I listened to. I listened to Al Shaver all the time. I listened to Herb Carneal all the time. I listened to Ray Christensen all the time. And they each had unique styles to how they broadcasted. Um, and then some of it was also – they had guys working with them that were really, really good as far as color commentators go. Um, especially in the Herb Carneal-John Gordon partnership, I thought was really well done. Mm-hmm. That was one of my favorite ones to listen to. Ray Christensen mostly did his games by himself. Right. But he was very, very smooth. Yes. And really knew how to, like you said, weave it in. I don't know. Did Al Shaver work with a color guy? or did well, He was pretty much on his own too, wasn't he? He
0: was on his own for a while, but later on he, he did have people
1: that worked with him. Yeah. So... When you get that kind of dynamic coming in, that was really good. I, I remember I think more on the national level broadcast teams. Um, I really because Vin Scully used to work with Joe Garagiola, which was a really good tandem. Yep. Because um, Vin was really good on the play by play. Joe obviously had played in the major leagues, so he knew, uh, you know, the game inside out as well. Um, I also on the football side of it, Pat Summerall and John Madden, oh, were perfect course. duo. Yep. Yeah, they. They worked so well together, and they did it for so long together that when they retired, it was a real bummer. Yeah. Because Pat retired first. Yes. And John kept with it for a while. Then Pat stepped back and said, you know, I need to retire. And, you know, um, Pat had a wonderful broadcasting voice. Oh, did he ever. Yeah. I mean, and Pat always
0: kept – Not just for sports, though. I mean, I can hear him on Ace Hardware commercials. Right, yeah. You know, um, people will always think of him with the NFL – but he was a wonderful golf broadcaster.
1: He was really good. He was really good. And I also really liked some of the NBC guys. I liked Vern Lundquist a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked Don Cricky. Mm-hmm. Don Cricky is a guy I think that gets overlooked a little bit. Right. But he was a really good one because yep. he worked. He worked with Bob Trumpy. Bob Trumpy for years and years. Yeah, and they were a really good duo. Uh, Paul McGuire worked with uh, uh, was it Will McDonough? Yep. And then I who was the play by play though on that group? I um, can't remember. Um, I'm drawing a blank. I could see him. Yeah. uh, I can hear
0: him, but I can't think of the name. Yeah,
1: yeah. But anyway, those were the groups that you and I grew up watching. And man, that was a a good time to be listening and watching sports.
0: And I think part of it too is it was was different back then. Of course it was different back then, but there was a little more originality in the broadcasters back then. There was a little more personality, I think. Yeah. Not and and I, I say that because now I feel like you're getting the Sports Center generation of broadcasters. They're very similar. They're all trying to create a soundbite. They're all trying to create a soundbite, a catchphrase. They're they're all trying to come up with those that that thing. Right, yeah. That can be their thing. And I I, I just I feel like you know, across all these sports, all these people are the same. I yeah. feel like the only sport that still has room for the personality part is baseball. Yeah, yeah. You know, because it's hard to be, even though they're still looking for the catchphrase. Right, yeah. But I feel like baseball is the one that's that still has that room. Because I, 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 I have NHL Center Ice, and I, I watch games as often as I can. And I feel like all those broadcasters sound alike. Yeah. There's not a lot of originality there anymore.
1: Yeah, I agree. And
0: even like network football. Aside from as much as people loathe him, Joe Buck. Yeah. Most of the other ones sound the same. Yeah. You know. Yeah. The uh the you know and I just I don't I don't care to listen to a lot of the broadcasters today. Yeah. The one I love is um Kevin Harlan. Kevin Harlan is He's tremendous.
1: Kevin Harlan, I remember him and when, Jim
0: Nance. I'm a big
1: Jim Nance guy. I am a big Jim Nance fan. I'm bummed that he's not gonna be calling the final four anymore. Correct. That's gonna be a bummer. Yep. Uh first time I That's listened, a loss
0: for for basketball yeah, fans. Yeah,
1: I really liked him as play by play when he worked with Billy Packer. Yep. Back in the day, for the Final Four, great duel. Yeah, really, they worked really well. Great bounce, duel, bounced off each other really well, mm-hmm. and they also bought Bill Rafferty on there. Yep. Raff, Raff is a little bit, he's a little bit too sound ish for me at times, but he really knows basketball and he's he's, he's a good X's and O's guy. Yep. Um, losing Jim Nance is a bummer, especially for the golf side of it because he does a lot of golf. Yes. Um, hey, he
0: just hearing him on Sunday during right? the Masters. Yeah, man, good as it gets.
1: One of the guys I wish that ESPN would highlight more is Chris Fowler. Mm-hmm. I like Chris Fowler quite a bit because uh, he's not a soundbite guy. No. You I know? mean, they're, they're, yeah.
0: and, and he's he's
1: perfect. He, he does a lot of tennis. Yep. He's he, perfect for tennis. He does really well with tennis. He's great with tennis. Yeah, and he has he actually has a lot of insight. And he works really well with the McEnroe's. Mm-hmm. I mean, both Patrick and John do a really good job with with Chris Fowler. Right. And he's very, very good. Mary Carrillo is also good mm-hmm. um, on the tennis side of it. I would say on the national level, it's a little bit much. Uh, going back to Kevin Harlan, when he first came in, he worked with the Timberwolves. Correct. He, he used to call Kansas City Chiefs games in the fall, and then he called Minnesota Timberwolves games on the radio during the winter, and that was his schedule for a while before he became national. Yep. Um, so I, when, when the Timberwolves were doing well in the late 90s, early 2000s, Kevin Harlan was a play-by-play guy. And sometimes he would go a little over the top, but he's, he's toned that down quite a bit now. Yeah. When he first came in, well, he was... Well, once you go network, yeah, you kind of have to. Yeah. Yeah. And he he did pretty well because um, when he was doing it, uh, Jim Peterson had just jumped in as a color guy. And Jim is a really good color guy, too, because he's not another soundbite guy. Um, you know, now he works on Timberwolves' um, television. But they, they had... A, a, the Twin Cities market had a really good group of broadcasters for a long time. Um, you know, and I... I haven't really kept up too much with it. When Herb Carneal stepped down, John Gordon stepped in, which made perfect sense because Gordon had worked with Herb for, I don't know how many years. Right. At that point. When Ray Christensen went, it, it became a problem because they were trying to figure out who's going to replace Ray. And there's been kind of a revolving door of people. And the problem with broadcasting Gopher sports now is that everyone gets compared to Ray. Yeah. So, you know, Mike Lee did it for a while. didn't work out. Mike Grimm does pretty well now. I don't he, mind Mike Grimm. Yeah, I think, yeah, he's I I think Grimm is pretty good. Um, and when the North Stars left, Al Shaver went with him pretty much. I mean, he went well, to no, the Gophers. Oh, he did. He went to the Gophers. He went the
0: he did Gophers for a couple years, and then he retired. Right,
1: yeah. And then because uh, the Gophers had at that point on their TV broadcast, they had Frank Mazako and uh, Wally Shaver. Wally Shaver, yep. And those two have done the rounds now. Yep. More Shaver than Mazzacco. Mazzacco is pretty much stuck with the Gophers for – Well, and Wally yeah. has
0: too. I mean, he was doing other projects, but he, he's he been on the radio. Well, he with, just St. Cloud for the, State for a while. and then, he, he did St. Cloud State for a bit, and then he was yeah. back doing the, the Gophers where he's been for right. decades.
1: Now. And they both have been on the radio and the TV. Now they're on the radio. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first started watching them, they used to do games on Channel 29 in the cities, and they were on TV. Mm-hmm. And You're talking about two guys that had a ball calling hockey right. together. Those were the two guys that really enjoyed it. Um, but it was nice because you had that kind of – um, reliability factor that you knew they were always going to be there, mm-hmm. you know. And the Twins have done a little bit of that now too. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do after Herb. It's always that's where because it, it, you're always looking for that next guy that's really going to kind of step in. And I do remember now that you say that about Al Shaver that once the North Stars left, he went to the Gophers and did Gopher games for a while. Mm-hmm. um You know, and then finally retired. Yep. But uh yeah, it, it was really a, I don't want to say it's a golden generation of broadcasters in the Twin Cities, but it. Pretty much as close as you could get. Yeah, you know, in terms of all the teams, uh, there was some turnover with the Vikings. Mm-hmm. The Vikings had some guys come and go. Yeah, um, and to be honest with you, I can't remember who the who the uh, broadcast voice on the radio was for the Vikings back in the eighties.
0: Um, because um, it a- now it's been Paul Allen for it's a been long Paul time. Allen for twenty years, I think. Yeah. Prior to that, it was a guy who had a cup of coffee for a few games. Yeah. And then, and then left. I thought there were a lot of guys some, like trying some, out almost. With some controversy. They had a, a man named Dan Rowan who did the game um, for a long time. If you go back into the 90s, I believe it was Brad Nestler. That's right. Who's was a network guy. It was Brad Nessler and Stu was, White.
1: Yeah, it was. That's who it was. It was yeah. Brad Nessler. Good memory. Yeah. I was trying to remember who it was because yeah. Brad is now, you and know. he it's... was there for a
0: number of years. Yeah.
1: And st- he and Stu were pretty good. Mm-hmm. And Brad did it for, I think, pretty much the entire 80s, Yeah, I he to was say. there for a really long time. Yeah. So, yeah. so
0: it's been a good market. A, it's been a real good market that way. And that's a fun little walk down uh, memory lane there yeah. and everything. But I wanted to dip into that one just to kind of get your feel. On on who were the the broadcasters you enjoyed listening to? There's so many good ones. There's so many good ones back then. Yeah. Yeah. But at any rate, let's get into uh, enough about that and uh, (laughs) let's talk about some Yellow Jacket sports. Because there's a lot to go through. There's a lot to go through.
1: Um, Yeah. So bear with us because it's going to be a
0: long show this week, folks. Buckle up.
1: Yeah, buckle up. (laughs) But
0: with good stuff. Yes, it's going to be good. I promise.
1: So we'll jump into more of the trophies uh, because the hardware is coming uh, hard and heavy and fast uh, um, for Yellow Jacket teams at the moment. Hopefully, knock on wood, that continues. Uh, but we'll start with the two teams who made it back to the NCAA tournament for the 2022 campaign, men's soccer. 16-3-2 overall as how they finish both the regular season and the conference tournament. They won their 6th and 7th games in a row last week, defeating Crown 6-1 in the UMAC tournament semifinals on Wednesday afternoon before shutting out Bethany Lutheran 3-0 on Saturday in the UMAC tournament championship match. Both those matches were played at the NBC Spartan Sports Complex here in Superior. And with those two wins... UWS has now won six straight UMAC tournament championships dating back to the two 2016 season. So six straight years the L Jackets have raised the UMAC tournament championship trophy um, in a row. Against Crown, the L Jackets got two goals from Philip Erickson, along with additional tallies from Blake Perry, Jake Kidd, Isaac Beckett, and Harry Ambler. While Alex Parade's got the winning goal. And against Bethy Lutheran, UWS got goals from Erickson, Perry, Jake Kidd, while Alex Paredes made three saves to pick up the victory, Blake Perry was also named UMAC Tournament MVP for the Yellow Jackets, off to their fifth straight NCAA Tournament. So congratulations to head coach Joe Mooney and company. And they were really impressive in that game. Actually, both teams were really impressive on Championship Saturday. They both
0: – I didn't get a chance to see the women's game because we had, yeah. you know, we were getting set up for, for hockey at the same time, but the men
1: – Yeah, they were in control basically throughout. For start
0: to finish. Yeah, pretty much. They I didn't mean, give them a sniff.
1: We thought it was going to be probably a tight game. It turned out not to be very tight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought Bethany, you know, was a little bit undone by the conditions. Yeah, especially in the back. I thought they had Rural some day. issues. Yeah, uh, the conditions were not great, but Bethany didn't adjust very well, and the L Jackets did, and that was really the difference in the game. Uh, going on though to women's soccer, a lot of hardware coming up <laughs> to go through here with women. Uh, not that all conference teams have been met, uh, put out and everything else, but they defeated Crown and Northwestern by identical six nothing scores in the UMAC Tournament semifinals and championship games, respectively, at the MBC Spartan Sports Complex. On Wednesday and Saturday, with the two wins, UWS ex- uh, extended their unbeaten streak to 16 straight games and claimed their second straight UMAC Tournament championship and their second straight trip to the NCAA Tournament as well. So congratulations to Coach Allison Negrote and company. Well done. Against Crown, UWS got two goals from Maya Holmquist, along with additional tallies from Nia Wilson, Allison Alessi, Ava Giswold, and Abby Randall. While Jenna Lang stopped all four polar shots, she saw to pick up the shutout, and against the Eagles, the Yellow Jackets really went to town on Northwestern. I think it surprised a lot of people how lopsided that game was. The Maya and Naya show. Yeah, no kidding. A pair of hat-tricks from Maya Holmquist and Naya Wilson. They piled up 26 total shots to win their third game of the season against Northwestern And goal. Jenna Lang stopped eight shots to post her second straight shutout. None of those shots were real dangerous in that game. It felt like it was a lot more one-sided than that. Wilson was also named UMAC Tournament MVP for the Yellow Jackets. And UMAC also announced what, that—
0: What makes that amazing is she gets the MVP and, and well-deserved. Right, yeah. Maya Homequist had 15 points in those two playoffs. She goals. did, yeah. She had an incredible run. points, Yeah.
1: And this is where Phew. I think that that when you bring Nia back into that tandem up top, they're going to score a lot of goals, those two. Uh, you know, Maya right now sitting on 20 for the year, which is what Nia had last year. Right. Naya's got thirteen and she missed a bunch of time. She missed a
0: bunch of time, yeah.
1: You know, and then Cameron Hill's got twelve. So they've got three players up there and if you throw Allison Leslie in there with the eight goals, it's very balanced. Yep. You know, at the top. that's fifty
0: three goals between four players.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean that's a lot of goals. They in the Yellow Jackets score a lot of goals. Right. But, you know, that's the balance that you want. You want that kind of balance on top of your lineup and Man, Maya's had an incredible year, right? Mm-hmm. She she was a little bit slow starting out, but man, did she pick it up? I mean, she's at twenty goals and thirteen assists now. Right. For the season. And uh Naya is at thirteen goals and ten assists. So they're I mean, they're racking up points. And the team is racking up goals, but it couldn't come at a better time with the right. NCAA tournament coming up. Yep. Uh the UMAC also announced their all conference teams for twenty twenty two. Yellow Jackets had nine players, calling them nine players named to the respective all conference teams. Basically their entire starting eleven. Right. Got some kind of recognition, and they deserve it fully. Um, Lindry Schendel, Maya Holmquist, Nia Wilson, Hallie Carlson, Allison Alessi, and Jenna Lang were all named first team all UMAC. By the way, that's six of the starting 11 that made the first team this year. So. Wow. Giving you an idea of how what the conference thought of the Yellow Jackets this year. On the field, Tori Vosberg was also named second team all UMAC, while Cameron Hill, the freshman, was named honorable mention all UMAC. Schendel was also named UMAC Defensive Player of the Year. It's the third straight season the Yellow Jackets claimed that award calling up on Morgan Philiber and also Aaron Schoborg, so Lindry Schendel, keeping that up. And that's a heck of a statement for a holding midfielder yeah. to be named Defensive Player of the Year. Schendel's actually had a – Lindry's had a nice run of personal hardware because she was Rookie of the Year her freshman year. She was All-Conference last year, and now she's Defensive Player of the Year. We'll see what she does now in her senior campaign next year. But, uh, yeah, a heck of a heck of a run of awards here. And then Allison DeGroat won the Coach of the Year for the third straight year. Well, Kenzie Older King was UWS's representative on the UMAC sportsmanship team. But yeah, a lot of hardware for the women. Yep. A lot of awards and well deserved, by the way, mm-hmm. across the board. Volleyball finished up their season at 16 and 13 overall. They concluded their season by first defeating Minnesota Morris in a thriller. Three sets to two in the UMAC Great tournament semifinals. Oh, my night. gosh. Yeah, I was crazy in there. And the UMAC tournament semifinals on Wednesday night, at the Mertz, I called that match, so I know exactly what John's talking about. Before falling to the number five ranked team in the country, Northwestern, three sets to nothing. And their first ever appearance in the UMAC Tournament Championship match on Saturday. That was played at the Erickson Center in St. Paul. Against the Cougars, it was a marathon, folks. Set scores 19-25, 25-15, 25-22, 23-25, and finally 16-14 in the fifth set. I felt like we could have played all night. Yeah. The way it, things it went. that way. Offensively, UWS was paced by Cassie Teff, who posted a triple-double and played really well. She was really good that night. 16 kills, 25 assists, 13 digs. For Teff, so she, was that, maybe her third triple-double?
0: I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think it was third.
1: third, third. Lexi Preed finished the match with 17 kills and 21 digs. Colleen Claude also had a double-double from the setter spot with 19 assists and 13 digs. Kaylin Plouts and Myanna Stark reached double figures in kills with 14 and 13 respectively, while Jenna Anderson had 26 digs. And then in the championship match against the Eagles, UWS unfortunately falls by scores of 25-19, 25-21, and 25-19. Lexi Preed had 11 kills and 10 digs, while Claude had 17 assists. And Cassie Teff also had 11 assists as a secondary setter. Jenna Anderson, meanwhile, with 14 digs. Five Yellow Jackets were also named to the UMAC All-Conference squads, as Lexi Preed was named first team All-UMAC, while Cassie Teff, Jenna Anderson, and Myanna Stark were each named second team All-Conference. Kalen Plouts was named honorable Mention All-UMAC, while Haley Atwood was named U- uh, to the UMAC's sportsmanship team and the Yellow Jackets volleyball team finishing up the season at 16-13 and 13 overall. Women's hockey sitting at 3-0 and now. They defeated Hamlin 5-3 to in non-conference action. Last Friday at Westman Arena in Superior, UWS got two goals from C.C. Hayes along with additional tallies from Avery Schwark, Jenna Hoops, and Ashton Parnell to pick up the win. Rose Beeman with a career-high of 49 saves to pick up the win for the Yellow Jackets. She played
0: fantastic.
1: I didn't see any of the games, so I don't know oh, what happened. Boy. but
0: <laughs> She played
1: great. She was all over it. Yeah. 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 Rose was in her zone and got the L Jackets to 3 0. So good job to Rose Beeman in goal. Men's hockey now 1 2 overall. Tough stretch of play, though. A lot of good teams on the, on the schedule to start the season for the L Jackets. Open the season with three games falling to the number one ranked team and defending national champion Adrian, 7 3 on Friday before edging past Concordia Moore. Had 5 4 on Saturday, then on. Last night's contest, Yellow Jackets playing last night, as we record this on a Wednesday, they played the number five ranked team in the country, Augsburg, and fell by a score of 5-2. to two. All three of those games were played at Westman Arena. Against Adrian, UWS got goals from Bradley Stunnell, Colton Friesen, and C.J. Walker, while Miles Hector made 22 saves in goal. Against the Cobbers, UWS got a hat-trick from McGregor Sinclair, his first career one, I think. Correct. All right. Along with additional tallies from Colton Friesen and Matt Francois, while Dylan Milan made 28 saves in goal. And against... Augsburg, things didn't go quite so well for UWS, but they did get goals from Reed Stark and Chris Ishmael while Dylan Mylan made 28 saves after replacing starter Miles Hector. Hector made three saves in the opening period before being pulled from Milan in the last, uh, what was about, three, uh, I want to say 55 minutes of the game. Roughly. Probably. Yeah. So they are one and two on the season. Your assessment of the L Jackets so far? Um,
0: it, It's... It's a difficult situation to put a young team in. I mean, you, you started off with two of the, you know, your three games, two of them against top five opponents. Right, yeah. You know, and these are legitimately highly ranked teams. Yeah, you
1: told me off-air that they're both really good.
0: They're really good. And so it's it's a tough situation to put a young team into. Right, yeah. A lot of these guys making – they're playing their first collegiate games. And so it was – uh Adrian is as advertised. Augsburg is as advertised. And I, I think there's definitely some there's going to be growing pains. There's no doubt about that. We we knew that coming in that this crew was going to have some growing pains. Right, you yeah. can't have that number of of new players and not expect to have some growing pains. Right. Yeah. And so it'll be, you know, learn something from every game. Yeah. And they, yeah. they have a chance to, you know, just keep to learn a lot and just keep building. Yeah. You know, and uh, like Mike Sertich, the old coach from UMD, used to say, you know, we learn something from every loss, but don't get too smart.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. You know, it keeps some of that naivete and just go out there and play at a certain point and Yep. Yeah, like I said, tough opponents to start the year. Really so tough, really tough. We'll see where they go from here. Yep. Kind of a work in progress at the moment. No, but, without a doubt. It's going to yeah. be like that all year long. Yeah. Yep. Men's basketball started out the season 1-0. and Defeated Saints-Galaska last night at the Mertz to open up season 73-57. UWS was led by 13 points, excuse me, at the break, and were never really challenged in the second half on the way to picking up the win. UWS was led offensively by Reed Johnson with 17 points, while Joey Barker had 15 points. And both Joseph Farron Holtz and Javon Walker finished with 13 points in the game for the Yale Jackets and a really nice start to the year. Not just because of Saint Scholastica, right? But because you got balanced scoring. There's a lot of new pieces of the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we we had Coach Polkowski on last week. He talked about how he was pretty happy where the team is at after their exhibition game against UMD, um, and they kind of showed it on the court yesterday. So nice, nice, solid win for the L Jackets to start the campaign. Correct. And last but not least, women's basketball one and zero on the season as well. Congratulations to head coach Emily Carpenter getting her first victory as a collegiate head coach. They opened the season last night with a dramatic last-second win over Finlandia on the road, getting a game-winning layup as time expired from Elise Besson to defeat the Lions 69-68. That game was played in Hancock, Michigan. UWS led 16-12 after one, 38-34 at the break. The two teams were tied at 52, heading into the fourth before Besson's layup in a back-and-forth fourth quarter. Gave UWS the victory. The Yellow Jackets were led offensively by Kaylin Christian with 22 points while Chloe Peterson had 15, and Bessenden finished with 11 in that victory so congratulations to coach carpenter
0: she was on a couple of weeks ago with us and yep. uh, very happy for her because that's it it's been a whirlwind and it hasn't been an easy an easy situation to step into no coming in as late no. as she did so no. congratulations yeah, to her.
1: congratulations to her and hopefully more to come
0: we're going to take a break, and when we come back on Eye of the Swarm, we'll be a little bit different here than we've done in the past as we'll have a live audience with us. Tom Hansen coming in to talk about his career in sports as well as uh, having his class with us, is his Communications 203 class. So we're looking forward to that coming up right after this on Eye of the Swarm.
1: Can I borrow the sports page? Are we sure we're ready for this expansion? Of course we're ready for it. It's a great
2: idea.
0: Let's celebrate with a vacation. I'm thinking Hawaii. (laughs) We're ready for ya.
2: Is it okay if my friend comes with?
0: Of course. Imagination's always welcome here. Bring us your best ideas. Let's see how we can help. National Bank of Commerce. Imagination's welcome. We're back on the Roundtable segment of Eye of the Swarm, and it's groundbreaking groundbreaking day for us, Matt, as we have a, is this a live audience, Audience, live studio audience? How,
1: you know? A bit of both, In maybe? the old
0: days in TV, what did they call that? Is it a live audience or live studio audience? Yeah, because they, they had that, uh, I think it was
1: before Cheers, right? They'd always well, say, you know, Cheers yeah. is filmed before a live studio audience. There and you go, it that's like, exactly yeah, what that's... it was, so... You know. So, yeah, I guess it's a live studio audience. Sure, I suppose we
0: could put it that way. We're in the room where everybody knows your name, just like at Cheers. Pretty,
1: yeah, pretty much, yeah.
0: Special guest this week, though, is uh, Tom Hansen, Mr. Sports in the Twin Ports, as I referred to him more than once on our, uh, our days hosting Grandma's Marathon on the radio. So... We uh, asked him to come on the show, and he said, well, I can't. I teach class. And we said, bring the class. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are. So here we here are. we
2: are. Hence uh, our live studio audience. Yes. Yeah.
0: Com 203 News Writing and Reporting.
2: And uh, yeah, um, glad to have him here and join us. So well, feel free to, to bring them
1: aboard as you see fit.
0: When I took news writing, it was news gathering okay. and reporting.
1: That's how old I am. You were well, gathering. Yeah, that's, that's and, th- you're uh, dating yourself with that one, my
0: friend. Well, I'm not shy about telling people I'm old. I,
1: I, I am. We both are old. We both come from the. days. But we days. never
0: had experiences like this. So you're you're very fortunate and you know, it may seem kind of stupid now and you're kind of rolling your eyes going, "Oh god, why am I here? Well, he just let me leave." But this this is a good experience to have. So all we had was you you kept your string book and hopefully mm-hmm. They threw yep. something in the Promethean for you. That was basically what I did in news gathering and reporting. <laughs> so it's come a little, it, it, it's yeah, changed a bit absolutely. since then. So let's, absolutely. you know, before you have we do, two degrees from here, I you do have two, have two degrees, degrees from here. here. Right? Yeah, so that's you've a, got a lot of academic experience. Here. Yes, I, I dove into the academia as well. Matt, so. you have
2: two degrees from here? Or I have one. one? I you have, have one. master's okay. degrees from here, but yep. I have you my uh, undergraduate from St. Olaf. So yeah.
0: So how many advanced degrees does it take to put on a podcast? Well, so far six right now, right?
1: Today's show, today's show. <laughs> yeah, because there's six between the three of us, right? Like that's correct. Yeah, correct. correct.
0: Okay. But let, let's talk a little bit about your career Tom, because yeah. it's um, it, it's it's a road that's uh, it's a long road. You know, you've been traveling this road for a while, but yeah. it was what twenty seven years in network sports. Is that what you starting Depends with? W, you do the math. Starting with WDSM I, and then going into TV. Oh
2: no! If you're going back that far, uh, thir- I think we're up to thirty three. Okay. Um, but yeah, yep. Uh, arrived in Duluth, Superior, 1985. So I always go 15 plus whatever year we're at. So 15 plus 22, 37, 30, 30, 30. 37 Math years. wasn't a major, or minor of mine. But, mine either. Yeah. Numbers no, can be hard sometimes. It is. It is. It's been a fascinating journey, and it's every day is a new day, mm-hmm. and it's uh, uh, one that I'll uh, I have this school to thank, really. Um, cause it played a part in not only, um, my academic and my career, but uh, certainly my life and my family. And, um, I don't know what, not to say I'd be lost wandering the streets. I don't know where I'd be without it because the school's really made a difference in my life.
0: Well, I hope the, uh, upper administration just listened to that and puts it on the next <laughs> recruiting video because that's, uh, that was a nice testimonial that you put out there. When did the, when did the idea of a career in sports kind of come oh, to the forefront boy. for you?
2: Uh, I will tell you, I think I even shared this with some of my classes. It was seventh grade. Um, my mom had asked me what I was going to do for a living. I said, well, of course, I'm playing professional baseball. So that was, that was it. Now, my dad was an athletic director. He was a coach and a referee. So my exposure to sports was really all my life. Sure. Um, to the point where I knew I wasn't going to be a referee uh, coaching didn't seem, I didn't, there wasn't a part of coaching that really connected with me. I mean, I obviously you need coaches and people to do it responsibly. And, um, so from that perspective, um, that didn't really appeal to me. So I was going to play sports. And then when I was cut from my college baseball team and my college basketball team, I decided, well, those opportunities
0: writing was kind cool. of on the wall there. Tom. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, so, but my mom in seventh grade said, She had heard me speak um, at an event. She goes, you would be a really good broadcaster. Mm -hmm. And I laughed and I chuckled. And that's why I said, no, no, I'm going to be a professional athlete. (laughs) Um, But I did well in speech in high school and and took uh, those courses in college and uh, got experience. I connected with people in the business, in the industry, got some internships. And uh, lo and behold, uh, I'm still doing it from really, if you start back from my college days, since the early 80s. So I've been doing this and and love it. I love the radio. It started with radio. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Started with radio, and like you say, it's a it's a fabulous medium to be part of. There's there's some special about radio. Yep. And I, I prefer I much personally I much prefer it to to TV. You know, part of the reason that I I'm still doing it is because I just yep. it, It's a it's a different game. And you there's, didn't answer there's, my
2: question on the air last week, and I was a little disappointed.
0: Well, there's only so much time in that intermission, Tom. We're going to stretch the, the mailbag the, into this week too.
2: The question was, John. Can you explain your stats, your scoring? I, I did answer that. No, you, you did? The scoring you did, the wins you did. The other question, part of that question, again, this is all via social media, so that's changed since the, the 80s, right? The social media correct. part. Correct, correct. Is how many penalties did you have? And you didn't answer that part. You answered the wins. Yes. You answered the goals, which, by the way, I think is impressive. Points. Again. 16 people, and 18? people thought
0: I was a goalie, Tom. That's well, you how unremarkable shots. my You blocked was. shots,
2: John. <laughs> I can understand that. How many penalties? Roughly
0: um, ballpark. No, I won a game, won a weekend. No, not even close. Um, I think I had thirty-five pims in four years. So, I was, I was intelligent enough to get away with it. <laughs> you know, those are some. Rough you can throw teams those. You, as you they were. were they absolutely were. It was a. a The NCHA was a a, a rough league at that time, and if you know how to get away with those things, you don't get called. Or if you you. know the referees well enough, you know, they're willing to let that stuff slide sometimes. So it was helpful to have a conversation every now and then with Steve Beckman and and get him to laugh a little bit because he was going to let that little jab in the back of some guy's feet go. So there you go. Any other numbers and, you want? <laughs> no, you, I guess you answered my question now. So thank you for You're, my, for you're, doing. you're I welcome. Yeah.
2: I listened all weekend to you, so, trying to get that answer. Just
0: waiting for the mailbag. Oh, waiting huh? for
2: the mailbag. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I actually have a couple of players on the team, so I was anxious to see how how they were doing. And mm-hmm. one uh, one started the season in the penalty box, so uh, but he redeemed himself with a couple of goals. So there
0: no you no go. Was good. Let's uh, let's talk about how your career then transitioned because you did the sports for a long time, and anybody who was who's familiar with sports and TV, that's a grind. Mm-hmm. And especially in this market where traditionally your sports department is one and a half, two people. Correct. And so it, it, it can be a grind where you, mm-hmm. you got to get out, you have to shoot all your own footage, you have to edit your footage, you have to host your show, you have to do all your post-show stuff with your social media. I mean, he used to laugh because it'd be 2 o'clock in the morning and Tom was posting highlights on social media.
2: Or emailing you.
0: Or emailing me, asking yeah. for something. But yeah. that, that's, that's a grind, and it wears you out. Yep. And so you transitioned into a different different career here at the mm-hmm. university. Talk a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. Um, and step back just a second. I'm still with the TV station, never really have left in my mind. Just doing different roles, still the play-by-play and the producing part. So in that respect, I've been very fortunate to still be part of the TV station, mm-hmm. uh, just as you mentioned, a different role. Um, and so I'm, I'm thankful for that. But yeah, uh, my wife um, had some health problems, and uh, again, this, this school, this university, this community has been very grateful uh, to her and to our family, and uh, when she had to drive herself to the uh, ER all by herself, uh, that was kind of the hammer over the head saying, hey, um, focus a little bit more on, on on the family at that point. And I knew that uh, with other things going on in my life, with my father passing away, and other things with cancer that many people can relate to. And so that was kind of the last straw that I thought, okay, um, maybe ever since I was inducted into the UWS Athletic Hall of Fame, I was always wow, kind nice of... Wow, nice plug there. No, but that's where it started. <laughs> right. I, that's where it actually started was like, wow, that'd be kind of cool to work at that school somehow, some way. And then sure enough, the university relations opportunity um, arose. I applied, didn't hear anything. So again, I thought, okay, well, at least they, they know I was interested and... Um, didn't think anything of it, but then speaking of name-dropping, uh, Steve Rodberg, uh, former Yellow Jacket, just came back from a story with Steve and uh, got the call to join the university relations staff. And so uh, with that, that started a new direction for me that, one, again, I'm so thankful for, for for this school. One is, you know, I knew I thought maybe I'd be teaching someday, but uh, the years at university relations were, were tremendous. Uh, some great people. Um, I learned a lot. I was able to cover the students, the faculty, the staff, the alumni, the community. It was just a great opportunity for me. And then at the end of the day, I could go home and see my family. Right. right? Which, when you're working those hours before, that's a little more challenging. You know, you don't see the kids. You don't go to the kids' games. You don't go to some of the family events. You miss out on a lot. Um, And so I was able to – my daughter was a senior in high school and go to all of her events, go to all the important senior milestone things you do as a – as a dad, I was able to be a part of all that, and so that was pretty special, and then also working here at the university. So um, yeah, so I started there for three full years at University Relations, and then started my uh, my teaching career here, one class at a time, and went to another class, another class, and... Are you finally to a full credit load? Yeah, yep. Uh, last, guy, Alex, two or three years I have been. Okay. Yep. And uh, just, a, it's a great... It, it's something I always thought I maybe would do, but I... As you know, you wanted to get some experience before before you hit the hit the classroom. Uh, I just didn't realize it was going to be, what, 30-some years of experience before I was going to do that. So, right. Uh, so that's the, the short version, if there is a short version of that. And I'm still here at school and will be for a long, long time.
1: Um, from my perspective, I mean, I don't know – I haven't known you as long as John has. We've known each other for a long time. Yeah, yep. Um, you know, when you were at KBJR, I remember you – you were already, I think at that point, you were already talking about, well, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be doing this job. And I was kind of like, well, that's interesting. Because for those of you who don't know, um, Tom, along with me and John, we used to broadcast high school hockey mm-hmm. on the uh, radio. This was, John, what was it? Probably a decade ago. Yeah, maybe yeah. a decade ago or so.
2: You guys did radio. I, I was on the TV set. Yeah, you were on mm-hmm. the
1: TV set. Yep. And um, you know those days seemed to have disappeared at a certain level. But um, at that time, I was still brand new. Well, not completely brand new, but pretty early into my broadcasting career. Um, I started, my first uh, broadcasting gig was in 2007 or eight. That was when my nine first first started doing Yellow Jacket games. And I was a color commentator. And my play-by-play guy was a guy named uh, Mark Lang, who lasted, I think, about a year or two before. he He was from the Whitewater area, and he ended up, I think, moving on. I'm not sure to do what, but Uh, That was how I got my first start. And then uh, when I finally got on the radio, because a couple of years went by, because that lasted about a year, and then I got my master's degree here, um, I uh, ended up kind of bumming around a little bit. And the athletic director here was a guy named Steve Nelson, who John played for, uh, and Tom knew really well. Mm -hmm. Um, This is just going back to how me and Tom kind of connected a little bit. Um, And um, Steve was one of those guys that was very to the point. I would say. He did. <laughs> Steve didn't beat around the bush much about anything. Uh, no,
0: directness is definitely his style.
1: Yeah. He was the kind of guy that if he wanted to talk to you early in the morning, he would call until you picked up your phone. And it didn't matter if it was... <laughs> You're dodging me. Yeah. You're dodging me. And, he, you know, I mean, Steve, he'd call at, you know, five or six in the morning. And if he didn't pick up, he'd call right back a minute later. And then a minute after that. And a minute after that. And a minute after that. So it was always just a good idea whenever Steve wanted you for something to just... Answer, answer. Yeah, just answer the phone. Because his first question was always, Are you sleeping? Like <laughs> early bird gets the worm. That's yeah, exactly. Thing. It was kind of the way he was. But he kind of threw me into the fire with the basketball play by play, which is where I started before we sure. went into doing all the other sports as well. And, uh, um, you know, <laughs> those were the days when we were still doing a lot of I fan stuff too mm-hmm. with Don Layton and stuff. So me and Tom ended up actually working together a little bit on I fan to start. Yep. And then from there, it kind of blossomed and. <laughs> Now we kind of look to each other to help each other out with UMD broadcasts, which we also both do. So Mm -hmm. kind of went from there. That's a little bit of the story with me and Tom. Um, But I remember when you said that, well, I might be stepping away. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because we talked about this a lot after the broadcast that we were doing together with high school hockey. And I remember you saying, yeah, I'm not sure how much longer I'm going to be doing this. I'm I'm a little bit worried about my wife's health and some of the stuff that's been going on. And at that point, I thought, God, he's going to be a real loss. And one of the things I really appreciate though was the fact that the university did bring you back. Mm-hmm. Cuz I thought, well, if he's going to retire then we're not going to see him anymore. <laughs> like I thought I thought it was going to be a situation where okay, so this Hall of Fame broadcaster is here, now he's gone. KBJR isn't going to look the same anymore. And I was like, well, I don't know where this is going to go. And in fact, I think you and I talked about it. It's like mm-hmm. I, I didn't know where it's going either.
2: I'll be yeah. honest with you, I didn't know yeah. where. Right. I rolled the dice. I went into Scott Salmon's office. I rolled the dice. And I said, "Scott, and I explained to him why he's the head coach of the Bulldogs." Nice which I was doing for the games, and I said, I, and I explained to him why I had to go, why I had to leave. Um, he understood, obviously, and literally, I rolled the dice. I go, well, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I don't know if I'll still be around. I don't know if I'll be able to do that, and uh, lo and behold, here now 30-some years uh, still at the TV station, so I'm very fortunate, but you're, you're exactly right. right. I didn't yeah. know either, yeah. um, And but I, I wasn't I wasn't worried about what was going to happen next. I was more concerned about my wife and my family. And then whatever happened, happened. Um, And so I was very fortunate that way um, and very lucky. And and John, you you, you say – and I always and I roll my eyes every time you say Mr. Sports and the Twin Ports because you and I you and I both know who the original. I indeed, yes, and, we do. And I again fortunate to win the Marsh Nelson Award for covering Grandma's Marathon that we've done, and you know to me that's that's the standard. And Marsh took the always time, will be, I think. Oh yeah,
0: in this market, yeah. And, and Marsh
2: that was one of the first go tos when I started my first play by play with uh, with the radio station, and he said, "Give the score, <laughs> give the score. You can't give the score enough." So. He took me under his wing, helped me out, and I gave him some solid advice. And, uh, you know, at the end of his career, I was fortunate to work with him in radio as well. So to me, he's always the the standard, if you will. Absolutely.
1: He's the gold well, standard. Well, and how many, like, events have we done, the three of us, together? has been quite a few. There's a number of them, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we did Grandma's Marathon together for,
2: oh, yeah,
0: like,
1: years. Half a dozen years or so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We That's were... why
2: I told class, I said, you know, usually when we get together, we talk for three or four hours, so...
0: I didn't know how long this was going to Condensing go, all but. of this into about yeah, 35 well, minutes well, yeah. is difficult, yeah. especially when they have an assignment <laughs> that we'll get into That's here right. in, a, yeah. in a little bit because yeah. it, it's a nice segue. Right, it is. In the, uh, you were instrumental in the development of the Multimedia Journalism Program. And when you had – don't laugh, you were. But when we were introducing everybody here, there were a few students who that is their major. So I want you to talk a little bit about that and where did that come from you know, we're the brainchild of multimedia journalism because journalism, people hear journalism, I think they think writing for a newspaper. Sure. yep. And they don't realize how the profession has evolved, and it is not just writing for a newspaper anymore. So talk a little bit about where that came from yeah. and, and what value you saw in bringing that program here.
2: Yeah, and, and, and again, I'll step back and say I was part of the team that did that, right? Um, the communication, communicating arts department really took the lead on that. Brent Notbaum, is uh, chair of the department. Um, obviously, we had a committee set up. I was part of that. Uh, Chad Volrath was part of that. Uh, Beth Austin. Um, uh, who else am I missing? I'm sorry. There's five. Beth, me, Brent, Chad. I'm sorry. Oh, Tom Nottingham. How can I forget Tom Nottingham? Of course, Tom Notton part of this as Speaking well. Speaking of so, longtime yeah. so, local TV guy. Yeah, oh, yeah and, no kidding. And, yeah. and so that group, we all took, different elements to study it. You know, it wasn't like, are we just going to, you know, bring it back in a different way? It was, how can we imagine this program where it will be attractive? How can, you know, the digital storytelling and the social media aspects be incorporated into what we're doing? And literally, um, we've 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 done that. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and not just me. I mean, thankfully, thank you for your kind words. That's very nice. Um, but I think ultimately, it's the department. Um, and yes, I'm part of the department. And fortunate and lucky to be part of it I love every second of it but it wasn't just me it was the the committee that that did this and so we studied different aspects other schools that either had it didn't have it and the opportunity and and then yeah our connections i mean just look at where you're at right now uh here at kws part of wisconsin public radio you have all been part of ifan the opportunities on this campus the promethean student newspaper are endless to get involved. Social media, video, audio. You, you can't have a better... We're actually in a recording lab on a college campus. That's state-of-the-art. And why not use those tools right. uh, to attract students, get them the skills that they need to tell stories beyond you know their years in school? And so it would just made sense that all these partners together coming together... And did I play a part in that? Yeah. Do I know people at iFan? Do I know people here at the radio station? Do I know... People at all the news, radio and T V, absolutely. And so yeah, I played a part in,
0: in this, but it was a team effort, really, John, to answer your question. Um, and I, I appreciated the fact that you and, and Brett came to us right away oh, and yeah. said Yep. Oh yeah, and I, and I thought sorry about that. We have a a real opportunity here mm-hmm. to almost marry this major with athletics yep. because we know you know whether people want to recognize it or not. The one aspect that's in the news almost every day is athletics. Yep. Um, usually it's good, sometimes it's bad, sometimes it's ugly, but it's in the news just about every day. Sure. And I think you re- recognize the opportunity for the major, you recognize the opportunity yep. for athletics, but more importantly, you recognized the opportunity for these young people all to get that hands-on experience in so many different facets of the major.
2: No, no question, athletics played a part in it. Um, and it, as you both know, this area needs more storytellers. We need more yep. stories coming from Superior Douglas County, Northwestern Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I felt that since I was going to school here in the eighties. And that really has not changed. I mean, thankfully we have WPR here and we can get messages both down there and then they can hear our messages. But we need more of Superior Douglas County, Northwestern Wisconsin. That's my I guess if I do have a vision, it's telling more of those stories sure. and incorporating more of the multimedia as we move on here. So Um, But, yeah, athletics is a huge part of this because, obviously, what you do is fantastic. Um, And those stories need to be told as well, just like the regular campus and community stories, too.
0: I know you came in here with um, an assignment for your students. Yeah. And I'm I'm watching the clock because I know class ends fairly soon. So do you want to turn it over? Yeah, I will. Uh, And and This is an assignment Tom Notton gave me.
2: To you, to both of you, because obviously you both did. You both, you both had Tom, right? At some point, he was my my advisor. Yeah, so there you go.
1: I had Tom for several. So here's
2: why I really thought you wanted to talk to me. And and (laughs) we haven't even brushed on the topic that. So this summer, I took part in a movie, in a movie that I didn't think ever crossed my mind to be part of. But as Tom pointed out, it married all the things that we are just talking about uh, from acting, to digital filmmaking, to audio, to TV, to play-by-play, to school here at UWS. There was three or four different people, and actually I think even one of them here was on the the production crew for, for a day. And so I was on Mary Kiss Cam as the hockey play-by-play announcer. Um, I'm not going to reveal a lot of details of the movie because it has not come out yet, but... Again, I've been fortunate to be a part of some excellent sports play-by-play opportunities. And lo and behold, word, word came that they needed a hockey play-by-play announcer for a certain team here in town or a certain hockey. Um, and lo and behold, they talked to me. I showed them some demonstrations of some of my work. And next thing you know, I'm on a movie set um, with 20-some lines in a
0: movie. Is that and enough then, to be part of the guild?
2: Yes. Short answer is yes. And nice. then they, I uh, got an invite last month to do even more audio work. Uh, they needed some specific play-by-play to specific shots in the movie. So, um, But yes, I, I did get to the point where, <laughs> again, a whole new experience of movie <laughs> acting, which was one thing that I did not anticipate ever happening. Sure. Did I anticipate being part of a multimedia journalism program 25 years ago. No. Did I anticipate having social media accounts 30 years ago? No. Did I anticipate, um, what else, uh, being a TV producer for live uh, live sporting events? No. Uh, these are opportunities that the more experience you get from radio and TV and put yourself in a position, good things are going to happen. You know, but work hard, be kind to others, you know, and uh, good things are going to happen. Sure. So, uh, yeah. So the assignment. Yes. Turn. us uh, yes. Turn it over. Um, so their assignment was to have a question for either me, or for you, John, or Matt. Uh, some of you, kn- some of them know you. Some of you, you know, you've interviewed, and so we just studied podcasts this week, and we talked a little bit about podcasts. I told them. Uh, that they had to have a question. So there was go- really
0: some serendipity involved here with me asking you to be on the show this week. There really, we were actually studying podcasts. <laughs> like Fantastic! You, like you yeah, that that, like, that
1: lines up just about perfectly. It really does. Yeah, it, it really does. Perfect.
2: Yeah. Little did I know. Here <laughs> I thought. Here I thought you wanted to talk to somebody that actually knows sports, and the, thank goodness this whole class does because they're on. Most of them are part of an athletic team: curling team, hockey team, soccer team, baseball team. What other team? Uh, you were with the Huskies uh, this summer. Uh, curling team hockey team soccer team soccer team uh yeah so i mean works i thought you want to talk to them because they're the (laughs) they're the real athletes but uh, i've been very fortunate and lucky to 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 work with them
0: anybody want to start who wants to start who's got a question you're in the chair already so you might as well ask your question
2: um i guess this question is kind of for all three of you um like, what's the best part of your job? I know you kind of do a variety of things, but what's the best part? That's Mackie, by the way, so we have to identify him.
1: <laughs> well, I just interviewed Mackie the other day. So, yeah, um, best part of the job for me um, is getting to tell the student-athletes' stories and the team stories because um, that's really what broadcasting is. It's really just telling a story, whether you're a play-by-play or you're color- or you're doing a news segment on something happening in Douglas County or whatever, it's all part of telling a story. And I think John would agree with me on that. That's really what we do. Um, That's even really what we do on the website with everything else. It's all telling part of a story that's happening in front of you. And every season is a little bit different. Every team is a little bit different. I mean, even the names may stay the same, but every season is a little bit different. I'm always excited to see where they start, where the teams start, where the athletes start and where they end up. And that's sort of – You know, the real joy I get out of it um, is just being able to bring those stories to not just, you know, the listening public, but also, you know, the families who are listening in and the, and the you know, grandparents and the, you know, great-grandparents who might not be able to make it in person, but, you know, they get a chance now to kind of experience what's going on with their family member that is part of the story that we're telling. So that's what I really enjoy out of it. I don't know, John, if you... Um
0: I definitely agree with that from a yeah. broadcast standpoint. Uh, I wear a lot of different hats here, and I think all of it is... The the common thread with all of it is is the students. And I think at the end of the day, the reason we do these things is because we like watching young people set goals, and we love to watch them succeed. There's nothing better than watching them reach their goal. There's nothing better than watching them celebrate... A win, celebrate getting their degree and celebrating life as they move on to the next phase from here. And knowing that I might have played a very small role in in some of that, but it's definitely for me is watching young people succeed. And it doesn't matter if it's in the athletic arena or when they're walking across the stage, and I'm hopefully not butchering their name (laughs) as they are getting their degree from the chancellor.
2: And I'll make it quick because we got 12 other questions to get to here today. Um, from a play-by-play standpoint, Mackie, you walk into a game, you have no idea what's going to happen. You can prepare stats, names, rosters, history, tradition. means nothing when the game starts. And so you're a storyteller, as, as both these have said. Uh, so for me, that's the fascinating part. Uh, the teaching part, I just love every day for what John said, to see the progress from the beginning of the semester to the end of the semester and uh, some already – Some of my current students are already working local media. They haven't even graduated yet. So to me, that's fantastic. They're getting opportunities with local paper, local TV stations. um, And it's fascinating to to see their development, and I'm very excited about that. So thanks, Mackie, for kicking us off. Looks like we got Evan next up. Um, So my question is, uh, you've all done broadcasting. What is your favorite game that you've ever broadcast before?
1: Oh... (laughs)
0: <laughs> right
2: to
1: it. Holy cow! You're talking about a lot of games here that we have to break down. Man, um, John, you're up. How many are you at now in terms of full broadcasts that you've done? Well, I mean, if you're talking
0: just men's hockey here, it's it's over 500. If you're talking, you know, all the different sports I've done here, right, plus yeah. high school hockey, plus when I was calling games at the University of North Dakota, I mean, I'm probably seven, eight hundred games deep on this
1: thing. Yeah. Um I think I think I'm pretty close to that too I'm getting right up there I'm yeah, so probably about if you add up everything i've done from grandmas to high school hockey to u w s and also u m d who I also broadcast for you're probably talking well man um yeah, probably six hundred for me pretty close I'm guessing yeah so that's a that's a tall task. I will say for me, one of the ones that stands out definitely was being the play-by-play broadcaster for Kara Goucher's uh, national championship in the half marathon. Grandma's... All three of us had that yeah, one. Yeah, all three of us. Yeah, all three I three of was actually in the car calling the play-by-play. Uh, <laughs> she was right in front of me running. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Kara Goucher is, you guys all know who Kara Goucher is, by the way. Olympian. Yep, Olympian. From Duluth. Uh, yeah, she, this is the first time she'd ever run grandma's marathon. She came back. Uh, that year it happened to be the USA uh, half marathon national championship, so all the top runners in the country were here. To run uh, both grandma's and also the uh, what now is the Gary Bjorkland half marathon, but at that point it was the national championships. Uh, these two gentlemen were down at the finish line. I was actually in the car with Kara for, throughout the race. Uh, I worked with Carrie Tolfson on that race, and she was another um, Olympian. She ran the 2004 uh, marathon for the United States in Athens. And Kara was how many marath- how many Olympics did Kara go to? Uh, three? Three was it? She and three? Seen three? Uh,
0: I think it's three. two for sure. I know. Yeah, I think it's three. Yeah.
1: So that was a big uh, feather in my cap. That's one of my favorite events that I've ever done. Um, probably I've had a couple other ones uh, as far as UWS goes. Uh, the men's basketball game against Bethley Lutheran, the twenty-six to nothing start. That was a weird one. I felt like I was kind of in a parallel universe at that point. Um, it was expected to be a very close game. It wasn't. Uh, first twenty-six points of the game with UWS in the first ten minutes i would never seen anything like it. I don't think that we've had anything like that happen in school history before. 26 nothing to start the game in basketball. I don't think that we've had anything like that happen. Um, I had no. No. And then um, Josh Bellamy's game winner was awesome, too. Uh, that's one of them. I got the call wrong. I said it was Philip Erickson who scored the goal. But it was a great moment to be on the air um, and to see Josh score the game winner. And over time, Mackey, of course, was a big part of that one. So... Uh, those are three to stand out, but I'm sure I could come up with a lot more. I mean, uh, UWS wins volleyball, you know, upsetting Northwestern to end their 64-game winning streaking conference in 2018 was a big one. Um, just, you know, I could keep going. But, John, I know you've got a few as well.
0: There's a few. Um, I, I think from a UWS standpoint, probably the 2006 um, Peters Cup Championship at St. Norbert because that team wasn't supposed to make that run that they did and they ended up beating St. Norbert in overtime. Unfortunately, they had to go back there a week later and got beat eight to one. So, uh, St. Norbert remembered what happened. That was an enjoyable one. Um, I, I, the other one that will always stick out in my mind is the first time I ever was part of a broadcast crew that did, um, a hockey game between the university of North Dakota and the university of Minnesota. That was a completely different beast. The, the energy the um, anticipation—it was—it was an unbelievably fun atmosphere to be a part of. Was that the at the old Ralph? No, that's at new Ralph. Well, I mean, the new Ralph being twenty-one years old now. Well, I'm, I'm just wondering. But yeah, the, it was yeah. At, it was at the new one. Okay. Yeah,
1: pretty early on though, right? Like,
0: yeah, it's yeah. only it would have been its uh, second year. Okay. But that was uh, that was a really enjoyable one. And then if I, you know, for maybe not necessarily enjoyable, but memorable. Um, The very first grandma's marathon that I did, uh, Carrie Rod was still doing the finish line Mm -hmm. at that time. And I, and I was the, uh, the interviewer Mm -hmm. at the, at the finish line. So my job was to grab the, the athletes as they came across and ask them questions. And a lot of them are international. So you're doing them through an interpreter and the, uh, the women who, the woman who won the women's full came across and she kept, Running a little bit, then I wasn't going to chase her because I'm even I'm not going to catch her, and so the interpreter kind of brought her back, and she had a strange look on her face, and and I said, "Is she okay?" And they said, "Yeah, go ahead and ask your question." So I asked the question, and she proceeded to throw up on my feet.
2: Ooh, <laughs> oh, you wouldn't forget that one. No, no, so memorable yeah, for a different reason. Yeah. The uh, and we only got five more minutes with class here, so I want to get through a couple other ones. So thank you, and then uh, there. Again, high school, college, there's so many. I could even go into the covering some of the pros. Um, but um, I'll just give you two quick experiences from my WSSU days, uh, dragging a telephone line out from one of the residence dorms <laughs> all the way out to the baseball field, that's, that's and I then hooking it, it up to a car battery. battery to get the baseball game on the air on WSSU. <laughs> Was was one of my finer moments with Mark Fleischer, again. The PA announcer for, PA announcer for Yellow Jacket Athletics. And then uh, Yellow Jacket Hockey, again, as you know, the Yellow Jackets and the Saints uh, from across the bridge are always uh, big games uh, down at Pioneer Hall when that was their home back in the day and mm-hmm. stringing from the janitor's closet, uh, the phone line, uh, to get the game on WSSU um, back in the day. So some of those experiences... <laughs>
0: Like you just mentioned, uh, you, you just don't forget. It's amazing how it's wireless now. <laughs> I know. Everything's wireless. And I can remember being at Concordia and having to have 300 feet of phone
1: line in order to get a game yeah. on the air. I had that at Alverno yeah. with women's basketball. This was back in, mm, I want to say 14 to 2014, maybe, where I had to run a line all the way into the athletic director's office yeah. oh, in yeah. the, his phone jack from Alverno. Yeah. And then I was actually broadcasting the game through a glass shield in a completely different wor- like room. Completely different building, actually, The, because I was actually watching the game through a plane, like a uh, a glass window, and I was just looking, and I wasn't even in the same building. It was literally the game, like I could not hear anything, there was no atmosphere, no, I was literally sitting in a hallway broadcasting a game in a different building. Here, and people so, were walking behind me, and it was just, it was crazy. Sorry, Matt, we only got five more minutes for class
2: here. Okay. This is uh, Isaiah, Isaiah, a uh, local student, uh, was an intern with the Duluth Huskies this summer, so we oh. talk about experiences and different experiences? Isaiah, go ahead. The floor is yours. A question for you, John. When you do play-by-play for hockey, how do you paint that
0: image, especially on the radio because it's kind of a faster-paced sport, how do you mm-hmm. paint that for the listeners? I don't know. And I'm, I'm being totally serious when I, when I answer that. I saw um, him
2: last week, and he said he was nervous. I said, be, you've done hundreds of these.
0: Yeah, but you still get a little bit nervous. Yeah. Um, I... It it's a hard question to answer because I, I I it's hard to explain. Um it helps to know the game, obviously. I've had a lot of practice. I mean you can ask my ask my family. When I was eight years old playing street hockey outside my house, we would do play by play to it. Um so it's always kind of been there for me. But I mean I, I try to study and do my homework and learn rosters and, and pick up some numbers that I can throw in and then just try to describe, you know, try to explain as descriptively as possible what, I, what I'm seeing. And I know for the, uh, you don't want to, you know, I don't try to be too over the top. I don't try to be too flowery with what I'm seeing. And I know that a very important piece of broadcasting, especially hockey, is, is editing in-game. You don't have to talk about everything that's happening on the ice because if you try to keep up with every single thing and try to describe every single pass, you're not going to be able to do it and you're going to run out of breath. You don't get paid by the words, so you don't have to talk like that. It's 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 getting that feel and just sort of...
2: Experience, too. Yes,
0: experience definitely helps, obviously, but it's getting that feel for how that game is going and how everything is going to flow and just basically doing your best to tell that story. And having been in hockey now for 45 years... I've got a pretty good idea on, on how to, to how to tell what the game is gonna be. Speaking of not hockey. a great answer, and I apologize for that, but I did the best I could.
2: <laughs> Speaking of hockey, here's Ty. I'll let uh, Ty ask his question all the way from Alaska to UW Sphere.
0: Uh this is for all three of you guys. You know, sports backgrounds from everyone here was the transition into broadcasting and like doing sports and stuff like that, one that you made <laughs> so you didn't have to get away from the game that you guys enjoyed playing or was it just like an easier transition for you guys into your next passing of life like for me it was um i there was a time where i wanted to coach and how the broadcasting thing started again it's always been a part of my life when i was a kid i would listen to minnesota north stars games at night um i'd listen to twins games at night before and that's what i would fall asleep to and my parents actually were really good about letting me do that the uh it kind of lit a fire for me that I just really enjoyed listening to these people tell that story and paint that picture. And as time went on, I started to really enjoy doing that. And again, playing road hockey, I would do play by play. And so fast forward, graduated from college, was just starting graduate school. And John Munson, who ran the radio station at the time called the coach's office after practice one day and said, I need somebody to go on the radio with me tomorrow night. I need a color commentator. And he just said, done and hung up the phone and looks at me and goes, you're going to be on the radio tomorrow. And I'm like, huh, never done that before, but okay. And loved it. I loved that. I wasn't doing play by play, but I just, I loved being able to be in the game and it was staying in the game and having a lot of the same experience as coaches do without any of the pressure. And That's ultimately, yes, what it turned into was letting me stay in the game.
1: Um, My story is somewhat similar. Um, I was an athlete back in the day. I knew right away that I was not going to be playing professionally at any time. So I did want to stay involved. Um, Actually, my training is in print journalism. I was a sports writer for seven years before I actually jumped into broadcasting. Uh, what brought me to UWS is I wanted to enhance my resume, so I went and got my master's degree and I applied to get my master's degree here. Um, when I got here, um, I had been kind of bumping around a little bit, um, and I got thrown into the deep end of the pool much the same way that John did. Um, Steve Nelson again was the you know was the impetus for this. He called and said because he had watched me do uh, um, color commentary with men's hockey the year that they were on my nine. And um said, well, you know, I kind of did that on kind of a, a spur of the moment kind of thing. It was not something that I really uh, thought I was going to do long term. It was like, well, this sounds like fun. I'll do it for a year and we'll see where we we'll go. And then I thought, well, that has passed because it went about two years where I didn't broadcast again after that. And then uh, UWS lost their basketball broadcaster. And Steve had kept an eye on me and he called and he said, I know you're still around. Are you willing to be our basketball broadcaster? And I said, Sure. Uh, I'll give it a try, you know, I'll hook you up with John Munson, okay? And John, much like with Mr. Garver over here, was not subtle. He was one of those guys that he'd throw you right in the deep end of the pool and see if you could swim. That was kind of his way of testing you to see. Um, and he did the same thing with me. He put me on the air. I did play-by-play right away, uh, and then he listened on the other end. And I thought, well, okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'm not sure if I'm ready for this, but we'll we'll see. So I went on, did the one half. I can't remember which game it was. That's how far, like, I was just trying to manage what was going on in front of me. And uh, John said, on the other end, uh, after one half, he said, pretty good, pretty good. I think we'll stick with you. And so I guess the oldest story from both me and, and Mr. Garver here is that we both got thrown in the deep end of the pool, uh, and we both swam. And John pretty much, M- Munson, Basically, he kind of said straight out for me. He was basically like, look, I don't have time to train you on how to do play-by-play. I'm just going to have to throw you on the air and see if you can swim and see if you can do it. And I remember thinking, well, if they don't like the job I do, they can fire me. Well, that was 12 years ago, 13 years ago. And John retired, and now we have a new boss. (laughs) And he lets us kind of do our thing. So um, I never thought I'd outlast John Munson at the radio station at the time. I thought, well, if they don't like the job I'm doing, they can always – Never happened. Never got fired. And now we're we're kind of expanding what we're doing. And at that time, I was just doing basketball, and then expanded out because our new boss was one who expanded out into beyond men's hockey, men's basketball. We started doing women's basketball, both soccer, baseball, and softball as well, and volleyball. And yeah, but that was not where me and John started. We were he was men's hockey, I was men's basketball, and that's where we started. And then it kind of expanded. John still just does men's hockey because he's got a lot of other things he's doing, but I do all the other sports basically. So. We've been there here for the growth of our broadcast kind of medium here.
2: here. And to answer your question from my perspective, Ty, I never thought I would be in broadcasting. You know, I wasn't a, a family member of the Buck family or, you know, the broadcasting families that, you right. know, the, the legacy families that, you know, two or three generations of, of broadcasters. So the funny, you know, John started this all out about, you know, my lengthy career, and I thought my lengthy career was not going to happen. Seriously. Um, so I studied, um, I got all my experience I could in college, I got as much as I could, but jobs were tough to get in, in radio and TV and media in the 80s. And so I thought, well, maybe I could do public relations for sports, or I can do some sort of front office work for a team or organization, or as you know, John, there really wasn't a lot of sports information jobs even at that point, especially at a smaller school. So I thought was more, for me, it was going to be more of the public relations type Aspect And it turns out I was for the sports information director here for a while. And so I never even thought I'd be in the radio and TV. And then lo and behold, a radio station in Pine City, Minnesota, contacted me after I sent out my resume to every radio and TV station in Iowa, North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. Five states. And as you can know, there was no electronic database, um, so you had to go look it up. You had to lick the envelope. You had to lick the stamp and send it to all those places. Write letters. And yep. thankfully, yep. One, one place did. And uh, they called me, and I thought I'd be in Pine City, Minnesota, the rest of my life because I was, I was fine. I was, that was perfect for me. And next thing you know, Duluth happened, and as John mentioned uh, at the beginning, I, I just never left. It's a beautiful place, as you well know, Twin Ports. Um, met my wife here at school, Yellow Jacket uh, athlete, student-athlete. Um, she started teaching. I started, uh, you know, I was already working in radio full time as a news and sports director and reporter. And lo and behold, here, here we are yeah. 37 years later, Ty. So I, it started with I hope to get a job in media. I hope to get a job in broadcasting. I prepared for it, got my school, got my degree, but in case I can do something else. So I was a weekend weather anchor for two years. You know, I knew north, south, east, and west. That was my experience. <laughs> At that point.
1: We appreciate it. Like uh, from Fairbanks, Alaska, right? Like you guys are allowing my family to listen and see games from a different perspective than just watching it through a video
0: screen. Like the amount of energy and stuff you guys bring to the calls of the games, we really appreciate stuff like that. So I want to say thank you for that as well. Absolutely, Thanks, Ty. Glad to do it. Thank you.
2: Drew is the editor of the Promethean, also works at a local uh, TV station, the, the local Fox affiliate. Um, and, uh, editor of the Promethean, and I think it's. Being printed today or soon it as is, we speak.
0: I just got an email. It is currently being printed right now. <laughs> All right. Uh, so no, there you go. No stop in the presses. It's no, literally gonna be hot was out
1: it the, the
2: presses. Did yeah. What you guys were on, or was it the Stinger? What was uh? Was
0: when I was Promethean? writing, it was the the Promethean. Promethean. Mm-hmm. Was the Stinger before that? Stinger was after. after before that Ant. was the Peptimist. Yeah. It's yes. been a confusing history. Where it was Peptimist, Promethean, uh, then Stinger, then, then, Promethean, then a magazine for a while, the then magazine. we had a magazine yeah. in 2009 yeah. through 12. But, yeah, uh, but my question is, like, what would be, like, your biggest advice uh, for uh, young journalists that are here on campus or just kind of, like, in the area that don't really have a direction of where they want to go or how to get into the field? What would you say to them?
1: i want me to go first or do you want to – Go ahead. Um, don't be afraid to take risks. Put yourself out there. Um, I would not have been in broadcasting if I had not, had not agreed to say, yes, I'm going to try it or I'm going to do it. And it's not – For a lot of people, you know, and I I say this as with we, you know, three seasoned play-by-play guys now and broadcasters, um, there is a certain mental hurdle you have to overcome to go into it if you're going to do broadcasting. A lot of people don't like the sound of their own voice, and they don't like to you know open up, put themselves out there, even if they are just telling a story, um, because you you have an audience. You know, people are going to listen to you, and now it's for real and it's live. But have faith in your own ability that's that'll be my biggest thing take a risk whether it's in print journalism whether it's in broadcast journalism you know broadcast play by play like we do um you know bet on yourself is the best thing i could say if if an opportunity comes up and you're willing to push go ahead i mean i'm not trying to tell everybody to take every opportunity that comes up but if an opportunity feels right even if it's scary and it, it's going to push you and it's going to you know there's a there's a risk of failure bet on yourself and and take that chance because i think i i don't want to speak necessarily for john and for tom but if I hadn't done that, I would not be doing what I'm doing right now. That's just, that, that was my experience. One
0: of my mentors is a gentleman named Peter Marr who has, has probably somewhere 2,500 to 3,000 NHL broadcasts under his belt. And his advice was a little bit same line but different than Matt's. He, he basically told me if you want to break into this field, you have to take every single assignment that is thrown your way, you take it. Every game that you can possibly call, you call it. You have to build your chops up, and the best way to build your chops up is by doing it every single day. And his—that was his advice to me, and that's kind of what I did. I mean, I was calling high school hockey games at, out in North Dakota between Grand Forks Central and Grand Forks Red River, you know, and have never, no yeah. tie to either one of those schools, but I was—I would call those just because it was another game that I could get under my belt. So it was. You got to build your chops up somehow, and nothing does that like working every single night.
1: That's a good point, too, because that's kind of what I did as well. Once I jumped in, I started broadcasting all kinds of things. Um, you, you know, know and it's
0: it's not just one sport. I no. mean, I'm, I'm fortunate where I spent a lot of my time in hockey, which is my my game I'm passionate about. But I've done marathons. Yep. You know, I mean, there's there's people who have done bass fishing. It, it's whatever comes your way, you call.
1: I've I've done track and field. Um Auto racing, I did auto racing. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) so like if the chance comes up, that also is part of it as well. Because broadcasting, play-by-play stuff, it doesn't come, it's not a perfect science right away. And it actually, you could kind of say that's not perfect science, period. Everybody's got a little bit different style. But to find where you want to go with it, you got just got to get repetition. Because it's, the more you do it, the more you figure things out. And the more you figure things out, the better you're going to become. That's kind of it's,
2: it's exactly what Matt said, what John said. Experience, get experience, and you're doing that with your, with your job at Fox. You you just jumped into it, and you did exactly what he said. But this this campus is the perfect place to do that at the at the newspaper that you're at, uh, with the Promethean, uh, the radio station here, IFAN, Yellow Jacket Athletics. This is this is the place to do that. This is where when they talk about jump in, you can jump in, and yeah, make make some mistakes along the way. Uh, I did baseball for four hours in college. Was I perfect? No. Was it exciting? Probably not. But those are the experiences you get learning how to fill three to four hours all by yourself uh, when I was calling baseball games. And I and for me, I just love storytelling. Obviously, it was radio to begin with. Uh, then it grew into TV. Um, and now the digital and social media and different aspects of storytelling. And so I've always loved telling stories. To me, it didn't really matter the format. But telling other people's stories covering teams to me was was always what drew me in mm-hmm. and exactly what these guys both mentioned. Um, tell stories no matter however you can.
1: Well, it's a perfect time for it, too. I just want to add that in because when we first came up, there was kind of a limited amount of things that you could jump into. It was kind of radio or TV, and this Internet streaming thing was just barely starting just up. Just starting. Yeah, up. just starting up. So you know, all three of us got our start in radio um, because that's what was available. But now with social media, the information age, and streaming has opened up a whole new world, podcasts were not a thing. When we started out, you know, this is something that's come later on for us, but the opportunities are there. Take advantage advantage of them.
2: And he's doing video already. He's doing video reports on the Promethean website. So, I mean, he's already doing that. And that's what you need to do is jump in and just do it. And you're doing an excellent job with that.
0: Yep. Yeah, with my current uh, career in journalism being only one year, I already have a total of 63 publications, uh, well, stories that I already have out published either between Fox or with the Promethean. That's great.
1: Yeah, that, you're doing it then. That's great. That's, you're doing it exactly right. Yeah, you're doing it exactly the right way then. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, this was fun. Yeah, this I agree. This was fun. Class, I'm, I'm, class has ended. And I'm, I'm, yeah, class yeah. has been dismissed. Yeah. But uh, this thank was fun. Guys. I'm glad you brought I, everybody in.
2: Yeah. I uh, And you're, you're, again, not going to believe this. When you talked earlier about podcasts, one student um, wants to do a podcast. And so the material we've been covering in class and then actually seeing this uh, has inspired her. And, and uh, again, so thank you. Let's well, do it again for sometime. Our I, yeah. Thank I, you for helping our students. Yeah. And I'd love to do this more. I'd love to get the students more involved. And anytime, anytime you we need, could, uh, we if could... you want to break down a movie, uh uh, I'll be happy to do it. Anytime you need any help, uh, you know where to find me one floor down. That sounds good. Yeah. Thank Th- you, guys. This was a lot of fun.
0: We'll take you up on it. Mate. And Adam, yeah.
2: I, we, we can't, I can't forget the producer here. Correct. Also a, a student in class as well and does a fantastic job. And, and, again, takes that experience that you two just talked about here at the radio station.
0: Yeah. So Tom Hansen and his COM203 class, thanks for stopping by. No problem. We'll right. take a break and come back with more Eye of the Swarm right after this. Orker's Island Inn is now hiring, and there's a position just for you. Apply for front desk, housekeeper, bartender, server, cook, and dishwasher. We are hiring great people like you. Call or click for more information and apply today. Back on our final segment of Eye of the Swarm, and that was uh, Unique Matt. That was unlike anything we've done before. I I said in the open, this is probably going to be the longest episode we've ever done. Yep. But we knew that because the middle portion of it was a class, in essence. Right, yeah. It was was fun having the students in here.
1: It was. It was. Uh, You and I know some of them. Most of them, actually. Most of them. Um, You know, but they're all students that are not only athletes here. They're also looking to get into the communications field, most of them. Most of them. And, um, you know, it's cool because for me, you know, People who don't know us don't know us. You know what I mean? Like, I I hate to say it that way, but it kind of opens up the door for us to kind of connect a little bit more on a more, you know, academic level Mm -hmm. with the students that we also cover as athletes. Right. You know, because to be honest, when we see them, we don't really talk about what they're doing with their classes a whole lot. I mean, we know some of their majors, but we don't really get a chance to talk to them about things beyond their sport. Right. It's usually, you know... Oh, well, the team is looking good this way or that way, or you know, what are you guys going to need to do? This was completely different, and that's the thing I really liked about it was mm-hmm. the fact that it kind of opened us up, right? A little bit and allowed us to kind of like share our experiences and what it's been like for us mm-hmm. in terms of our broadcasting careers. And I hope we get to do it a lot in the future because well, I mean, we've kind of
0: yeah. we put it out there now, and I, yeah. you know, and knowing that Tom has this class every semester, right? Yeah, and has other, you know, other courses. I, I feel, yeah, well, once a semester, let's bring them in and. Yeah, you know, let let's do that and a little less us and a little more them. I think is how I put it. You know,
1: yeah, because I you mean, know? they, you know, we opened it up to, to Q and A, uh, and you know, a few of them had something to say. I think a few of them maybe were a little bit shy, a little shy, it, didn't yeah. want to
0: get on the mic, and that's
1: fine. But that's also part of the of the experience, right? If right. if you're going to get into this medium, you know, that's that mental hurdle that I was talking about. You yep. know, that you have to be able to, you know, kind of get past that point, take the risk, and get out there and put yourself out there and have faith in yourself mm-hmm. to get it done. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean. Hopefully we've opened up the door here where we can do this regularly. Mm -hmm. Um, No doubt. And we can get, you know, other students in here because at the end of the day, you know, as much as we love sports, we also love UWS, and we want the best for all the students on campus, not just the student-athletes. So, um, yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed it, John, and it sounds like you did too. No, absolutely. Looking forward to the next one already. Yeah, so –
0: Anyway, yeah, anyway, speaking of looking forward to things, we've got some games on the schedule.
1: We do. We've got some NCAA tournament uh, action coming up. We'll start with the two teams that are are in the NCAA tournament. The selection show was on Monday, mm-hmm. and both teams uh, found out where their destinations and their opponents are going to be here. For more information on all this, by the way, you can go to com. But the long and short of it is men's uh, soccer will be on the road at North Central of Illinois in the NCAA tournament first round Saturday, November 12th. They'll be taking on... The undefeated Cardinals of North Central, the uh, school that is known for their cross-country program that we've talked about in the past. Yellow Jackets will be tangling with the Cardinals at Bendetti Whirly Stadium in Naperville, Illinois. The opening kick of that contest, by the way, is scheduled for 6.30 p.m. So if you're not busy on Saturday, check that out. Uh, If UWS wins that game, they would then face the winner of the St. Olaf Lake Forest winner, the second round of Naperville on Sunday starting at 7 p.m. And then if they win those two games, they'll be off to the Sweet 16, and then they'll have to go through a whole another week of waiting before they play again. So that's what's up for the men. Meanwhile, on the women's side, they'll also be in action on Saturday the 12th. They're at Loris to take on the DuHawks, one of the great <laughs> Nicknames. In uh, college sports, the Loris Duhawks will be hosting the Yellow Jackets in the NCAA tournament first round at the Rock Bowl in Dubuque, Iowa. 1 p.m. The opening kick there, so you'll be able to watch both games. Hopefully, if the streams are good. Last year, there was some; uh, they were playing at the same time, so it was really tough because the men and women were playing right. crossover basically. Yeah, but this year, if you get a chance to watch both teams, take the opportunity to do it. If UWS wins that first round game against the Duhawks, they have then faced the winner of the Ohio Northern Rose Holman. First round game and the second round on Sunday at 3 p.m. in Dubuque, and I know you know the town of Dubuque quite well, the city of Dubuque quite well, and you were actually pretty times. happy. You were pretty happy with that. Uh, I think that selection just because of Dubuque.
0: It's a good city. Yeah, it's a good city, you know. And I, I played in that. I, I, played junior in Waterloo, and Dubuque was a huge rival of ours. So, yeah, spent a fair amount
1: of time in Dubuque then. <laughs> yeah, a few. Yeah, yeah so mm-hmm. that's where the two teams are going to be. Uh, men's and women's cross country. We didn't talk about them in the first segment because they didn't run. But uh, they will be running this weekend, this week at the it's NCAA you. Division III North Region Championships, mm-hmm. hosted by my undergraduate alma mater, St. Olaf, at the St. Olaf Cross Country Trails in Northfield. That will be on Saturday, November 12th. The women's race will kick it all off starting at 11 a.m. while the men's race will follow up at 12.15 p.m. And depending on how they place there individually and as a team, we'll see if they advance any further than that. But uh, that's what's up next now for men's and women's cross country and As someone who uh, has been around those cross-country trails, it's very scenic, and it is a challenging course for a runner. So we'll see how that all plays out. Women's hockey, meanwhile, this week, Saturday, uh, November 12th, they'll be back home again taking on UW-Eau Claire, 7 p.m., the opening face-off against the Blue Goals. And then on Tuesday, November 15th, they hit the road to take on Gustavus Adolphus down at the uh, Roberts Ice Rink down in St. Peter's, 7 p.m., the opening face-off there. Men's hockey... This week, they're on the road for a couple of non-conference tilts against Mayak Foes this Friday, November 11th at Bethel. That'll be a 7 p.m. opening face-off, 6.30 the pregame with my buddy John Garver here to my left on 91.3 FM. Same story on Saturday, except this time it'll be at St. Mary's. 7 p.m. the opening face-off, 6.30 the pregame. So that's what's happening for them. Men's basketball, meanwhile, this week, Friday, November 11th, they'll be taking on Central. That'll be the opening game of the Merrill Thompson Classic, 7.30 p.m., the opening tip there. And then depending upon how the game between UW-Platteville and Lawrence goes, we'll have the Yellow Jackets against one of those two teams. On Saturday, yours truly will be on the air for those. Those will be live broadcasts, by the way, or will be a live broadcast. 1 or 3 uh, p.m. pregame, 15 minutes ahead of time. I'm thinking probably the three pm game it usually is what I think the l jackets end up playing in in that game but um are they gonna try to actually do it i it's it's a
0: it's a true tournament okay you know so it, it I have no idea what game they're gonna be in and okay. I don't know if Greg has worked it out where no matter what his team plays the second game okay so okay. I have not had the chance to get that far into the weeds on it yet
1: because sometimes that changes right and then in the past the l jackets have played the second game no matter what but yep. anyway that's what's coming up for men's basketball so check out uh, that Uh Unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to do the Saints-Galaska game. That was originally on our schedule. Didn't work out, but we will have the uh, game two against either Platteville or Lawrence. So stick around for that. Check mm-hmm. that out on the website. And last but not least, women's basketball this week, Tuesday. They'll be taking on Saints-Galaska. That'll be another live broadcast with yours truly here. 7 p.m. for the season debut of the El Jacket Women under Coach Emily Carpenter. 6.45 the pregame. On ninety one point three FM, the L Jackets running, I think on a, I want to say seventeen game winning streak against the Saints, something like that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a it's, it's a long a winning streak. It's been a while, and I know the players want to keep that streak going. So absolutely, uh, Tuesday, November fifteenth, and that'll be our first broad uh, basketball broadcast period on ninety one point three. So we're getting into the winter season now, John. Here it is. Here it is. Yeah. Here
0: it is. Let the marathon begin. Yeah, no kidding, no <laughs> kidding. But it just again, it's. It's crazy right now because you still got that crossover with some of the fall teams competing, and then it slows down a little bit, and then it gets into a sprint, and then it just stops.
1: Yep. You know? and Then we so, get a long break when baseball and we softball we get a long come, break
0: so. in there, but uh, that's still a long ways away, and we got a lot of good stuff coming your way yep. between now and that time, that Absolutely. is for sure. want to say a special thank you to Tom Hansen for coming in today with his Communications 203 class for Tom and his students. For Adam Demuth, for The Big Sound, Matt Johnson, I'm John Garver, and thank you for listening to Eye of the Swarm.